Welcome to the Page Talks podcast, where we discuss issues critical to the work of professional educators and public education. The Professional Association of Georgia Educators serves 95,000 educators as the state's largest membership association and leading advocate for educators, public education, and a valuable resource for member needs with legal representation, legislative services, and professional learning. I'm Craig Harper, Executive Director for PAGE. This episode is all about COVID-19 vaccines as Georgia added all preschool to secondary educators to the eligibility list on Monday, March the 8th. Most districts have worked with their area health departments and providers to distribute the vaccine as efficiently as possible to those who want it. According to a recent page survey, overall about 66% of educators want to take the vaccine, with those living in highly populated areas more likely to be vaccinated compared to educators in rural Georgia. The decision to be vaccinated or not is very personal. Our intended purpose in this podcast is to help educators make an informed choice. I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. Georgina Peacock, the Chief Medical Officer for the Department of Public Health. Welcome, Dr. Peacock, and please share a little bit about your role in the state's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm privileged to be here working at the Georgia Department of Health as the Chief Medical Officer for the next few months. I work permanently at the CDC or Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and have worked in different capacities related to the COVID response over the past couple of months. Um, and I'm a pediatrician by training. All right. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to share uh, with us, especially as so many educators are uh, excited about the possibility of having the vaccine now that uh, today is the day that, that starts educator eligibility. Talk to us just a little bit as we begin here. What are the vaccines intended to do for those who haven't really been paying as much attention about this if they perhaps uh, you know, weren't eligible for and so they hadn't, hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about it? So the goals of providing these COVID vaccines are to protect people from severe complications such as hospitalizations and death. Uh, as you know, um, the COVID-19 disease can cause severe complications in certain individuals, and so the vaccines are intended to protect people from those severe complications. All right, and so there's always questions when a, when a vaccine comes out, especially as new as these are. Uh, are the vaccines safe? So these vaccines have been developed with the same process that other vaccines have been developed. There is oversight both by the FDA, who release the emergency use authorization. And then once that happens, so once FDA looks at all of the data about the clinical trials, they make a determination, they issue that emergency use authorization, turn it over to CDC, and then the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices also takes a look at all of that data and makes a recommendation about the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. So yes, these vaccines are safe. And we do actually have some data about that because there have been quite a few people that have been vaccinated now, and so we've got data from these vaccines. Exactly. And actually, there's a new program that the FDA and the CDC are working with during the release of these vaccines, which is something called B-Safe. And so when you get vaccinated, uh, you are offered the opportunity to participate in this program called B-Safe, where uh, you'll enroll through your smartphone. It'll ask you questions every day about what symptoms you may be having and whether these symptoms have affected your day-to-day activities. That happens for a couple weeks, and then it goes to once a week, and then it gives you a reminder if you're getting a vaccine that has a second dose, it tells you it's time for your second dose 
all of that data, so hundreds of thousands of people have enrolled in vSafe, and all of that data is now being analyzed by the CDC to look at what the side effects are and to give us more information about the safety of these vaccines. Well, it's good to know that there's that kind of comprehensive data gathering on that and that people can report their own experience with the vaccine. So the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine is, is being dedicated to educators in Georgia. That was the determination uh, that was made uh, as that comes to the state. What do educators need to know about the J&J vaccine since it's not as well known as Moderna and Pfizer? The J&J vaccine is a vaccine that is only one dose, and it is slightly different than the other two vaccines that we've been hearing about, Moderna and Pfizer. So it is an adenovirus-based vaccine that is a platform that is used to develop other vaccines. And then the Moderna and the Pfizer are what we call mRNA vaccines. But all of these vaccines, whether it's the one-dose J&J or the two-dose Moderna or Pfizer, are all have that goal of reducing severe complications such as hospitalization and death. So they're all good vaccines that people should view as being a good opportunity to be protected against COVID-19. So people really should not be thinking that one brand a vaccine that they've heard about is better than another. Exactly. I mean, they are different, but think, you know, the, the most important thing is to get vaccinated. All of these are focused on protecting against those severe complications, hospitalizations, and deaths. And I think when you're, when it's your turn for vaccine and you're offered a vaccine, I would recommend that you take the first one that you're offered. Okay. And what kind of side effects would somebody expect to experience? I know it's a pretty wide variation, but uh, what are some of the more typical side effects? Yeah, it is a wide variation. Some people have very minimal side effects. Other people do experience side effects such as arm pain, um, some fatigue, uh, in some cases fever, and in some cases a kind of muscle aches. And sometimes these side effects can happen for a day or two. It seems like the side effects may be worse the second dose of Moderna and Pfizer. And so it is good to sort of plan around that and think that you may need to take it a little easy the day after you get a vaccine. Though I will say that many people have gotten these vaccines with almost no side effects. Okay. And does it matter if I get the first and second dose of either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine at the same provider or does that matter at all? It's probably easier if you get your first dose and your second dose with the same provider. Many providers are giving you an appointment for your second dose when you get your first dose. Though, if that's not the case and you do need to get a second dose somewhere else, the important thing to remember is to get the same vaccine. So if you got Pfizer first, you should get Pfizer the next time. If you got Moderna first, you should get Moderna the next time. And that'll be recorded on that vaccine card that you're given. It will say when you got the vaccine, it'll tell you what lot number you got of that vaccine, and it'll tell you when you're due for your next dose. All right. So those, those cards that people get, are they are, are folks being recommended to keep that with them for now? Or is it something that other than when you go to the doctor, you just put it in a file and make sure that you've got it available? Yeah, I don't think you need to carry it around with you, but I do think it would be good to take it with you when you go to get your second dose so that both doses are recorded. This information is also being entered into the immunization information system. And so there is a record of you getting that vaccine, but I think it's always good to have your own medical records as well. So hanging on to that in a safe place is a good idea. 
How long does it take for the vaccines to be effective? Like when, when is somebody considered to be fully vaccinated? Typically about two weeks after your second dose, if you have two doses of the vaccine or after one with uh, Johnson & Johnson. And can people still contract COVID-19 if they've been vaccinated? It is possible that you can get COVID-19. We are learning a lot more about this because, as you know, a lot more people have gotten these vaccines in the last few months. It looks like it's fairly unlikely that if you contract COVID-19 that you will spread it to somebody else. Usually, if you contract it, you would be asymptomatic. So it is possible, but not very likely. And that's good news. And I know the CDC just came out with some new guidelines for those who have been vaccinated that are pretty good information for those who have been vaccinated as far as being able to get together in small groups with other vaccinated people or those at very low risk of negative effects of having COVID. But in general, are people still supposed to wear a mask and social distance or quarantine from exposure once they've been vaccinated? Or what's the best advice on that? Yeah, so in general, the recommendations still are out there to wear masks, maintain social distancing, and practice those other prevention measures, because we know a lot of people are still unvaccinated. But you're right, it is very exciting that now, if you're around fully vaccinated people, then you can be with other fully vaccinated people indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. If you visit with an unvaccinated person, from a household that's at low risk for severe COVID-19 disease indoors. You can also refrain from wearing a mask. And you don't need to quarantine or test following a known exposure as long as you're asymptomatic. If you are symptomatic, there is a recommendation that you should be tested. But I think these are these are showing that we're getting progress. That's what the goal is. The goal of this vaccine is to get us back to the place where we can enjoy one another the way we we used to and that we move towards a new normal where the pandemic is maybe behind us. Well, I know that's a day we're all looking looking forward to and and vaccination is one of the things that's going to help us get there. Does everyone have to get vaccinated for vaccines to make a difference in this fight against the pandemic? The more people that get vaccinated, the better, because the more people who are vaccinated, the less spread of COVID-19 will occur. And that's really our goal is really to get to that point where we don't have significant spread of COVID-19. And this may touch a little bit on, on the question that you answered a minute ago, but are other people protected from me if I get vaccinated from spreading COVID-19? So if you're you're vaccinated uh, and you maybe have asymptomatic COVID-19, which I said is fairly rare, it's unlikely that you are going to spread COVID to somebody else. It's not impossible, but fairly unlikely. So getting vaccinated really does minimize the spread, which is what we need to do in order to end this pandemic. Well, we still have to use masks and other COVID-19 mitigation strategies once vaccines spread across more and more people in schools and and our communities? So eventually, I mean, the goal is that we won't need to wear masks and practice these strategies. But right now, there's still a lot of disease in the community. There's a lot of people that are not vaccinated. And in school settings, you still have children who are not eligible for the vaccine. So I think for the near future, it's really important to continue to practice those prevention methods, especially in school settings and other settings where there's a likelihood that not many people are vaccinated. 
That brings up another question that we've heard a lot. So the vaccines are for adults now at this point. I'm not sure what the what the floor is for that, the low end of that is. But is there an expectation that these vaccines as they are right now will be used for school-aged children at some point? And what do you think that age span would be and when might that happen? Right now, the Moderna vaccine and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine are authorized for people that are over the age of 18. The Pfizer vaccine can be uh, used in 16 and 17-year-olds. There are clinical trials happening right now, so all of those pharmaceutical companies are doing clinical trials in children. Likely the next group of people that will be eligible for the vaccine are age 12 to 17, and then um, they'll go stepwise down. And there are still so many adults that haven't become eligible yet that we would still be a ways away from from moving down to child groups for a while, I would guess. And the other thing is it's not approved yet in children. So the emergency use authorization only allows vaccination of adults for Moderna and J&J and then for Pfizer in 16 and above. So even if everybody had had their their vaccinations that was covered in the adult population, until that authorization comes from the FDA, children are not eligible to receive the vaccine. Do we know yet if any of the COVID-19 vaccines negatively affect fertility or reproductive systems for women or men? There's no evidence supporting that there are fertility issues or reproductive issues in men or women. These vaccines continue to be studied, but there's no evidence at this point that that is the case. I know from a Department of Public Health in Georgia, but as well as just public health community uh, across the country, there's a lot of effort to overcome uh, hesitancy. From a clinical perspective, what are the pros and cons that matter the most as people weigh their options when they're eligible for the vaccine? You know, it is concerning that we're seeing a lot of hesitancy for the COVID vaccine. The good news is we're seeing less and less hesitancy as more people are being vaccinated. I think, you know, um, this anticipation of having vaccine and waiting a long time for it made people maybe a little nervous to get vaccinated right at the beginning. The good news is we're seeing more and more people do that. What we know about vaccine hesitancy is that people are more likely to be vaccinated if they know that someone that they trust has been vaccinated or they have a conversation with somebody that they trust. So in some cases, that might be a healthcare provider. In some cases, that may be a faith leader. In some cases, that might be your next door neighbor. But what we need to do is drive to the point where people do get vaccinated so that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and and get through this pandemic. And are there any timelines that you all have studied at the CDC about when that might happen when we get to the point that the that there are more vaccinated than not or whatever level it is that we're trying to accomplish when that might happen? There's a few factors. So vaccination rates is certainly one of them. So the more people that get vaccinated, the better. We also need to look at disease in the community. So right now, even though we've seen a a big drop off from the high peak in Georgia in January, we're still above the levels of disease that we were in midsummer last year. So there's a long way to go for disease to be reduced to the point where we can be functioning as we used to. So that's why it's really important to both get vaccinated and then continue to wear masks physical distance and practice all of those other prevention measures.
All right. So let's say I'm a, I'm an educator who's 40 years old or younger and I'm in really good health and I just am not particularly worried about contracting COVID-19. Should I still consider getting vaccinated in that case? You absolutely should consider getting vaccinated. You are less likely as a healthy 40-year-old to have complications from COVID. However, there are 40-year-olds that have had complications and even death in some cases. So for your personal protection, it's important to get the COVID-19 vaccine. But as we also talked about, you know, the more people that get vaccinated, the less spread there is in the community. And so you would be then doing your part to reduce spread in the community. So really, it's it's a matter of thinking about others around me. So if I'm not a, a case, I'm not going to spread it to others. So that's why vaccination would be important for me, even though I may not be particularly concerned for my own health. Absolutely. I mean, I think it is important that, you know, we're, we the vaccine both protects individuals and it protects the public. And we want both of those things to happen in order to move through to end this pandemic. So if I choose to get vaccinated, who knows about that? It's not something I particularly want to share with others. So that's your personal information. So when you get vaccinated, that information is put into the immunization information system, and that can be accessed by a healthcare provider. But other than that, when you get your vaccine, you'll get that vaccine card. You can hang on to that and you can share that or not share that with whoever you choose to. All right. And since you're with the Department of Public Health and have been really involved in how Georgia's response to all of this, what information do you have about how I would go about finding out what my district's vaccination plan is? So your district-specific vaccination plan will be maybe different from district to district, and so I think it's important to talk to your school administrators about what that is. However, in general, what is happening in most places in Georgia is that the school districts are partnering either with a vaccine provider that's maybe a pharmacy or a healthcare system or with their Department of Public Health. Now, you also can go out and get uh, vaccinated at one of the retail pharmacies. There are sort of many different places that you can get vaccinated, so you can go through your district's plan. Each district, at least each public district and many private school districts that made the request to the Department of Public Health have received allocations of vaccine and they're working through plans to vaccinate. But you can also go on your own and go to those mass vaccination sites or sign up for a vaccine through the retail pharmacies or through one of the health departments. So there's a number of different ways now that you're eligible that you can go and sign up for a vaccine. Okay, so it it probably is the most convenient thing to do as somebody who's newly eligible as an educator to do it through my through my district plans for the vaccination, but I'm still able to go to other places where I can sign up. Absolutely. Um, And there is, I mean, school districts are also doing some planning so that not everyone gets vaccinated at the same time because there is this issue where you may have some side effects and may not feel great that day after. And so staggering vaccination is always important as well. And so that may be something that your school district is doing that obviously wouldn't be taken into account if you go and get vaccinated elsewhere. Dr. Peacock, we really appreciate you joining us and sharing your information with us about vaccines. Is there anything else that we should have covered that I didn't think to ask you about? 
You know, I'm just really excited that educators are now eligible in Georgia for vaccine. So go out and get uh, your vaccine. There are different options on how you can get vaccinated or where you can get vaccinated. But I think the most important thing is to take care of that, the advantage of this opportunity and eligibility and get vaccinated. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the work that you're doing on behalf of all Georgians and your role with the Department of Public Health and your role with the Centers for Disease Control. And hopefully we'll get on, uh, get out in front of this pandemic and uh, bring it to an end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Page Talks podcast. I hope this conversation has been helpful to you. A second podcast addressing educator legal questions about vaccinations will be published soon. Become a regular listener by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and other popular podcast platforms. Learn more about the Professional Association of Georgia Educators at www.pageinc.org. If you're a Georgia educator and aren't already a PAGE member, consider joining us today. Goodbye until next time.